0: Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening
1: as we share our view the front lines. Spring has sprung and the sap is flowing. I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director, and I'm happy to be with you for another episode of Frontline Voices. In this episode, our NRCM Rising special guest host, Kate, is going to be interviewing two Bangor high school students who have been leading a campaign to pass a bill that would support more education on climate change in Maine schools. It's another inspiring interview with some of Maine's young environmental leaders and we're wicked excited to bring it to you. Uh, But before I pass it over to Kate, I wanted to give a brief update on some of the latest environmental news from across Maine we think you should know about. First, scientists at the Gulf of Maine Research Institute issued an alarming report confirming that 2021 was the hottest year on record for the Gulf of Maine. Uh, The average annual sea surface temperature of 54.14 degrees Fahrenheit was more than four degrees above normal. Researchers also said the region experienced the warmest fall on record and the second warmest summer. That was amid a marine heatwave event that lasted the entirety of 2021, which was a first for the region. That's bleak news, but I really appreciated the perspective of David Reed Miller, who's director of GMRI's Climate Research Center, who in a Portland Press Herald story about the report, reminded us that, quote, "The good news is that the future is still in our hands. If we are able to reduce greenhouse gas emissions at a global scale, we will certainly be able to limit the changes we see in the future." end quote. I really appreciate that hopeful note and speaking of limiting, the changes we see in the future uh, thanks to climate action. NRCM's clean energy and climate team has been working really hard over the past couple of weeks with our partners, both in the legislature, other environmental advocacy groups, to make improvements to a utility accountability bill that's being considered by the legislature. If you'll remember, this bill was originally filed by Governor Mills and um, now NRCM is supporting the report a amended version of the bill uh, that was released from committee. Um, That version report a is being brought forward by Senators Brenner and Vitelli. We're supporting it because it's our best chance to improve service for electric customers and require utilities to participate in so-called so-called integrated grid planning that is so essential to building a modern electric grid that powers our homes, businesses and transportation with clean energy and helps put us on that path to meeting the state's climate goals. Um, Speaking about the legislature, we expect they will soon vote on the bill to close the out-of-state waste loophole. But of course, the companies that are exploiting this loophole for profit are trying to confuse things. So Sustainable Maine director, Sarah Nichols, and others are gonna be working hard to encourage legislators to close this loophole uh, to save space in the state-owned Juniper Ridge landfill. Finally, uh, I have a few exciting updates from the State House. The bill to expand Maine's ecological reserve system was officially signed into law by Governor Mills on March 29th. Woo-hoo! Congrats to Melanie Sturm, our forest and wildlife director, um, our friends at Maine Audubon, MCV and so many others that helped uh, make uh, get that bill to the finish line. Um, also the bill to upgrade pollution protections on more than 800 miles of rivers and streams uh, in Maine received unanimous bipartisan votes of 129 to0 in the house and 33 to zero in the Senate that just showed I mean that's no surprise but it's great given that we're talking about clean water here and clean water is so connected to Maine, but it's great to see that bipartisan support, especially in the year where we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Federal Clean Water Act. Okay, so without any further delay, let's move on to Kate's interview with the young women who are advocating for this climate change education bill I mentioned earlier. That bill has received positive votes in both the House and the Senate, and is now sitting before the appropriations table where lawmakers are considering what sort of fiscal note to add to it.
0: Um, Thank you so much, Kosi and Ogechi for joining me today. I have a handful of questions for both of you. First of all, you are both awe-inspiring to me with everything that you've done, the motivation that you have on top of school work and extracurricular activities and everything like that. Um, So first and foremost, I want to ask you who are you? For people who don't know, um, how you got involved and how did you first get started and interested in climate action?
2: Um, I guess I can go first. Um, my name is Chiobi. I am a senior at the Bangor at uh, Bangor High School. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Kosi is my very very good friend. Um, so I had been interested in climate action through some of my um, research projects in my school STEM Academy and just been interested in environmentalism and sustainability with some of the things that I chose to study. Um, And so COSI um, introduced me to um, the Nature-Based Education Consortium and the Maine um, Environmental Education Association um, as a means for me to continue those environmental interests, but in a different lens, and that lens was advocacy, and I took to that very well. Um, It just allowed me to expand upon my personal values and actually put some action behind them. So,
3: Yeah, Yeah, um, so I guess I could go next. so yeah i am also a senior at Bangor high school and um yeah i guess i've always just been really interested in climate action but for a while i never really thought as if a person like me could be um an effective climate leader climate activist just because if you see a lot of the mainstream climate activists that have a lot of uh, media attention they do not look like me they are not people of color specifically they are not usually black people as well so for a while i never really thought that that was anything that i could um those spaces were something that was not available to me but then that's when um, i was introduced to the Maine environmental education association and um their change makers network which is a network of youth interested in environmental um, work and social justice work and seeing that that group of people being of um, a lot of uh, various backgrounds, ethnicity, so on and so forth, just really inspired me in a lot of my work. So um, yeah, that's kind of where a lot of my work started was with the Maine Environmental Education Association. And through that network, I was introduced to the Nature-Based Education Consortium. And now I am one of the co-chairs of the Nature-Based Education Consortium's Climate Education Working Group um, with Ogechi. So yeah.
0: Congratulations to both of you for that. Um, So the main reason why I'm reaching out to both of you today is to discuss the LD1902 Climate Education Bill. In your own words, could you describe what that is and how it would change the education system in Maine?
2: Um, Just the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of the bill is professional development. Because I feel like that's something that has been so central to the bill and its focus. Um, Right now, I think there is some guidelines with the um, next generation science standards. There's also um, a general climate action plan with Maine Won't Wait. But I believe that what our bill does is act as a conduit to actually put those plans into motion and to give teachers the funding and give the teachers the development they need to turn those kind of in the air, um, climate change, um, expectations of what they could be teaching and make it into what they will be teaching. Um, so I think the bill does a wonderful job of bringing together uh, community partnerships, bringing together funding, bringing together teachers and bringing together um, the youth who would be benefiting from this education and creating um, a system where all those pieces come together uh, to create the most action and tangible curriculum in schools. Excellent.
0: Kosi, do you have anything to add to
2: that?
3: Yeah, um, no, not really. I think you really summarized it perfectly. Um, yeah I think at the end of the day this really is an investment to our youth an investment to our teachers and that's something that we really do owe um both youth and teachers especially right now um we need more support for teachers yes we have um these these standards for um, climate education part of that being in the next generation science standards but we really have to in some ways put our money where our mouth is and to really provide the resources to make sure that um that these standards are being met and being met in an effective way that actually reaches and touches the minds and the hearts of children um, so yeah
0: i couldn't agree more well put um, both of you have spoken so eloquently, both today and in the media before now, about the need for climate education and more interdisciplinary. Can you speak a little bit more about why that's so important to the community and or to yourself?
2: Um, I just think personally, um, when I see climate change education in Maine in its current form, a lot of that is based around science. And as you've heard us um, say, like a lot of it is based around those next generation science standards. But I think it does a real disservice to our youth when we regulate climate change and its effects to just the lens of science. Because climate change is not something that we might be looking at. It's something that we are living through right now. So it's something that affects the way we live in every um, in every angle. So I believe students need to look at it um, and learn about it through a social studies angle, through a historical lens, through um, their language arts classes. So I definitely think in the way um, that it's being taught right now. It's not the most beneficial to our youth. And Kosi?
3: Yeah, no, I really don't have much else to add. That's essentially what um, I would say as well.
0: Excellent. I think that's a really good point. It's While the science is important, it's easy to get caught up in just the science um, when it affects ev- everyone from a lot of different angles. How would you like to see the curriculum change more specifically in Maine schools? What are some tangible examples of how we can improve and expand climate education to Maine students?
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think just more access to the outdoors, and that's why I think community partnerships are so important, um, because they're because those community partners could help in. Um, bringing youth outdoors and so on and so forth um, and maybe having access to community gardens so um, so youth can tangibly see and feel this is what um, this is what sustainable practice looks like and this is something that I can do myself. So if this is something that I'm learning in school and I feel like I have the power to do something about it, then why wouldn't I do something about it? So those are just two examples off the top of my head.
2: Right. Um, I'd also like to see the bill enable more independent research in just young people and in students so that they can do a lot of the investigation about what's happening around them um, for themselves. And I think that would teach just further than um, science standards. It would teach just life skills of investigation and research and critical thinking that I think will be central to um, stopping the climate crisis.
0: Well, it is extremely refreshing to hear such motivated, uh, inspirational and awe-inspiring people like the two of you, even in high school where um, I think it's easy to feel lost and like you can't change much and you are just proving everyone wrong, that <laughs> um, you really can make a difference and um, dig your heels in in a very real and helpful way. So thank you for both of you (laughs) for what you have done and what you are pushing to do. I think it's really incredible. Um, Are there any climate change issues or topics that you're particularly interested in that are maybe unique to Maine or Mainers and they should be paying attention to more than others?
2: I definitely think ocean acidification and ocean um, temperatures, Although the ocean is warming in every um, part of the world, I think it's specific to Maine because I've read, I read an article about it in the lens of the um, lobster industry. So basically, as waters get warmer, those lobsters retreat further and further and further north. So while they used to be able to be harvested in Massachusetts, most of the harvesting is now in Maine. Um, However, if that warming continues, most of the harvesting may move away from Maine. It may move into New Brunswick and even further North. So I think ocean temperatures, since we are such a coastal based state um, and ocean um, acid levels are so important uh, for Mainers to pay attention to and really to advocate uh, for better standards and legislation in order to combat those changes.
3: Yeah, um, I really couldn't agree more. Uh, I think, yeah, I there's not really another oh. example that, um, that the main specific that I would um, speak to that would definitely be the one that I would say.
0: Understandably. Yeah, lobsters are, are a big thing in Maine, I've heard. <laughs> um and that relationship with the ocean is very strong well thank you both of you for taking some time and speaking with me about the bill and about kind of your focus on it and your focus on climate change and climate action and making a difference um if you could see one thing change in the future what would it be you had to pick one thing
2: For the state of Maine or the world or the United States or it's a big scope.
0: It is a big scope.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would
0: say what's one thing that you would like to focus on personally in the future?
2: um, I think in the future, I'd like to focus on just sustainable materials. Um, in my STEM academy research, I do a lot of work on biodegradable alternatives to plastics, and I feel like if we could get away from typical plastics that are being used every day, we could reduce our fossil fuel uh, usage because fossil fuels are used to make um, everyday's typical plastics. I also think we could kind of remediate a lot of the Earth's surface, which is being used for landfills. And we could probably cut down on the amount of carcinogens entering, um, just human food streams and water streams and cut down on the amount of marine life being killed by plastics. So, um, if you know me personally, you know that I'm a very big proponent of cellulose nanofiber, which is a type of plant product that I've seen can replace plastics. So if I could do anything, I would make it mandatory that governments adopt, um, biodegradable plastics?
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, just knowing Ogechi, yeah, Ogechi loves her tree fibers. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I guess for me, I would definitely want to focus on um, really um, the intersection of race and the climate. There are some climate issues that disproportionately affect um, people of color um one of them being that asthma rates are much higher in um specifically women of color is one of the highest rates of asthma um black women specifically um so i would definitely want to if we moving forward in the future i really think it's important to um adopt climate solutions that have an equity lens attached to it because if we do not have an equitable access, an equitable climate, um, equitable climate solutions, then they really won't be solutions at all. It would just be shifting these problems onto um, people that are already marginalized. So, yeah.
0: Excellent, both excellent answers. Um, good luck saving the world. <laughs> I'll be there beside you as much as I can. <laughs> um, thank you again. Kosi and Ogechi for talking with me. And um, I have learned a lot just reading up on the bill itself and about the work that you've done. And I hope that you can push forward and keep teaching and keep bringing new ideas for the world, making it a better place.
3: Thank you, Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of the Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work, visit nrcm.org. follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment.